episode 62 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, an interview with Brian Wensink. Radio team, welcome along to episode 62 of Fitness Behaviour, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Welcome along to this uh, today's show, It's uh, I'm in Christchurch here today and it is blowing a gale outside. Uh, last night it seemed like the world was going to end, it's seriously, seriously windy conditions here. I'm, I'm sure you guys really don't care about the weather too much in Christchurch, but I'm just you know, might hear the howling in the background today, so there you go. Today's show, I've got I've got a great interview on today's show, um, an interview with a guy called Brian Wainsink. I've probably talked about him, or at least some of his work on the show in the past. Brian has a very successful book called Mindless Eating, and then he also has recently brought out a book called Slim by Design, and um, Mindless Eating was the book that I'd read. I, to be honest, when I did this interview, I didn't realise he'd brought out Slim by Design, and he mentioned it, and so I actually went and I've been reading it, and I've also been doing the course that he promotes on the podcast that we talk about. I'm going to talk about that later on today's show. But Brian's really fascinated, and he's he's a researcher, or he's a professor in nutrition science, and he's really kind of fascinated in consumer behaviour. And um, he's got some really great work. And, and what he really looks at is, probably a good way of thinking about it is, how do our environments influence our world? And, and he's got some he's got some great work and he really is looking at what are all those little things that influence the way we eat that we maybe don't aren't even aware of and how can we become aware of them and then how can we consciously change those so we become a lot healthier in the way we eat our food and uh, what's really great about Brian's work is it's it, you know it's scientifically proven he's done lots of research to actually show that for example if you make a plate smaller people eat smaller portion sizes if you well he, he you know he's going to talk about all this stuff in the interview so we'll get into that in a second but it's a really great interview and um yeah it's really good so i'm going to put that interview on very shortly before i do if you want to become a patron of the show you go to bevanjamesisles.com, you'll see there's a little Patreon link there. Click on that and you can become a patron of the show. I'm just going to name a few of the patrons. I've got a new patron this uh, for this week's show. Um, but before I do, I'll just name a few of the patrons. Are Samuel Molino-Weaver, he is the mysterious man. We've got the explorer, Donald James. We've got mystic Brittany oh, McEachin, I'm going to say that is. Uh, Greg Crowley, he's the python. Mayhem Luke Miller. Yeah, they're some of the regular patrons of the show. And this week we also have Bernadette Parry. Now Bernadette Parry's just become a patron recently. And I think Parry, I think of parrying now I'm not sure if this is correct. <laughs> maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But when you when you do sword fighting, I think they parry, don't they? So I called Bernadette the Soul Calibre. Because I think Calibre is its name of a sword. And so Soul, she's got the sword, Bernadette, your soul calibre. So there we go. Um, if you want to become a patron of the show, all of your money goes to helping me make a better show, which I really, really appreciate. And again, the more I can get patrons involved, the more I can contribute time and energy into the show. So go to bevanjamesisles.com, click on the link, and just every time I put out a show, you just donate a little bit, depending on how much you want to donate to the show each time. So 
Thank you very much for the people who are already our patrons. And for those who want to become, just go through that process. Okay, I'm going to put the interview on. So here is Brian Wainsink, and uh, this is a really great interview. Here we go. Right, our team. Well, I'm pretty excited to have our guest on today's show, Dr. Brian Wensink, and he's the author of Mindless Eating, Why We Eat More Than We Think. Um, first of all, thank you for coming on the show, Brian. Oh, yeah, it's great to be with you. Yeah, and I'm also author of the new book, Slim by Design, oh. Mindless Eating Solutions for Everyday Life. Yes. Great, great. So what's the difference between what, what are you doing in the new book? What... What Mindless Eating looked at is what are the things that happen in our day-to-day life that pretty much trip us up so that uh, we end up eating more and we end up eating a, in a different way than we really want. But what Slim by Design does is it looks at all the solutions. These are the solutions for the five places that really uh, dominate most of our eating decisions, which is our home, the two or three restaurants we go to most frequently, where we shop for groceries, where we work, where our kids go to school, it looks at specific solutions that we can use in those homes. Not things like eat more vegetables or eat less potato chips, but specific things you can do to just mindlessly eat less and eat better. I mean, for instance, we find in our home that if you, uh, if you have your counters clean, you know, not cluttered, you're going to eat about 44% fewer snacks than if you have, you know, uh, dirty dishes in the rack and, you know, mail sitting in one part of the counter and your newspaper open on the other side of the counter. Easy changes you can make to your environment to well, mindlessly eat a lot less. Well, let's take, let's take a little bit of a step back. First of all, tell me a bit about yourself, Brian. So obviously, you're a doctor in, in which, tell us about where you come from, uh, what motivated yeah. you to study this part and, you know, give me a bit of an insight into your life. Okay, sure, sure. Well, I'm originally from the United States. I'm I'm from the least cool, (laughs) the least coolest place to be from in the United States, and that's the state of Iowa. So uh, it's an agricultural state. I grew up, you know, selling vegetables door to door, and it really uh, got me interested as to why I could stop at one place with my little wagon full of vegetables, and the person would buy every single thing I had. And I could go to the very next house next to them, and the person would look at me like like I, I was carrying kryptonite or something. <laughs> and I thought, well, there's got to be these easy solutions why we eat what we eat so that we can actually just nudge ourselves a little to eat better. So when I got a, I ended up getting a PhD at Stanford in uh, consumer behavior, and then for the last 25 years, all I've studied is the psychology behind why we eat what we eat and how much we eat, but importantly, how you can change that without going on a diet, how you can change to mindlessly eat 10%, 20% better without having to work at it. So, so and that was the basis of, um, oh yeah, and that was the basis of, so I'm a professor now at Cornell University, and that was the basis of, of the uh, bestseller uh, Mindless Eating, and then it's also, those solutions are also the basis of a uh, the new book, which is uh, Slim by Design, which is slimbydesign.org. So, so we, we, can you tell me about, you know, you obviously did consumer behavior, so there's obviously a lot of research into what influences decisions. When you, when you st- first started kind of approaching this area, or when you first started studying this area, how do you go about learning these behaviors and these influences? Tell us a bit about the process that you guys go through. 
You know, what's interesting, initially what ended up happening was we would say, we'd ask questions like, what is it that, uh, that skinny people do at buffets that heavy people don't? Okay, because the, the thing is, for instance, you can't go up to somebody and say, what do you do differently? Because, you know, you're, what do you do to stay skinny all your life? Or what do you do to uh, always make healthy decisions? Because most of those decisions, and actually we make about 200 decisions about food every day. Wow. Um, the yeah. <laughs> Because it's not just if you're going to have, you know, eggs or breakfast cereal in the morning. It's going to it's it's how much breakfast cereal are you going to have? How much milk do you put on it? Do you eat it all? Do you leave it? And we find that typically the typical person will make 200 decisions before they even, um, uh, by the end of the day, but most of them they're unaware of. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we do is we try to figure out what is it, if we if we just look at behaviors, what are the behaviors that a person mindlessly does that could set them up to eat healthier. So, for instance, we'll, we'll watch uh, skinny people at a buffet and compare what they do to heavy people. And we'll come up with uh, all the different things that they, that they seem to do. And based on that, we can say, huh, well, if a skinny person on average sits 16 feet farther away from the food, hmm, maybe there's a reason why that works. And then we'll, we'll, we'll study that as a solution. Or if we say, you know, the typical skinny person looks at all the foods in the buffet and then picks up a plate, whereas 70% of heavy people pick up the plate first, well, you know, we'll look at that as a solution, see if that works, if people try it. What would have been some of the, the you know, because your book's full of like lots of great information, but what have been some of the insights that have even blown your mind away? Because I'm sure after a while, after doing, seeing these kind of patterns, you, there's probably some that are a bit more obvious and some that you wouldn't have ever seen coming. So what, over your time, what have been some maybe breakthrough, breakthrough moments for you guys? Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, there's, there's hundreds of things we've discovered, <laughs> but then I'll, I'll tell you the thing that blows my mind more than anything. I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things that sort of, that, that, that are really simple solutions but I'll tell you the thing that really blows my mind after I just give some examples of those. I mean, the one thing we we end, we, we end up discovering was the the hundred calorie pack, and we discovered that about twenty years ago and introduced it to companies, and that works great. It works well for uh, about seventy one percent of all people end up eating less food if you if they have a bunch of hundred calorie packs rather than one big bag. Um, well, we discovered also that if you use slightly smaller plates, like most most people in the Western world, uh, you know, you eat off of plates that are about 25 centimeters in diameter. If you drop that down to 21 centimeters or even 20, on average, most people will eat about 22% less, and they'll and they uh, won't realize that they're eating less because in their mind they're still eating a full plate of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we discovered that uh, if you move a candy dish simply two meters away from your desk. Uh, you'll eat, on average, uh, less than half as much candy as you will if it's sitting right there. So a lot of things like this. But I think what, what blows my mind more than anything else, as you mentioned, was uh, is that uh, in, in doing hundreds of studies, well, probably over 1,200 studies, and finding all sorts of things that, that we do that trick ourselves to eat wrong, when we tell people about these things, when we say, hey, look, you know, um, 
what we what we did here was we uh, um, uh, you know we put the serving dishes on of pasta right on the table instead of over on the counter, and as a result, you ate you ate about twenty percent more of anything we had sitting right here on the table in front of you than the stuff that we simply kept on the stove or counter. Then when we tell people things like this, um, about 6% of people will say, wow, man, I, I, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I can see that, you know, having the big bowl of pasta right in front of me made me eat more. Or, you know, I can see that using a larger plate led me to serve more or, or whatever. Yeah. Six percent. Okay, yeah, not much. <laughs> about no. About thirty percent of people will say, "You know, I could really see how that would influence other people, but you know, it wouldn't influence me." Oh, really? Because I am, I am really amazing. And then, then you have about about sixty-five percent of people say, "You know, that's silly. That's not going to fool anybody. It's oh. not going to work at all." And 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 I think that's what's so amazing is that. We can show these things. We can document them. We can videotape them. We can we can demonstrate them, and and people still want to think that they are smarter than the size of their cereal bowl. <laughs> and and I think it's it's uh, that's why this stuff ends up being very dangerous. Is we kind of kind of think, well, okay, well now that I know that serving on a large plate makes me serve twenty two percent more, I just don't I just won't do it. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll just. I'll be mindful of it, and I'll serve less intentionally. And it doesn't work. We, we've got too many things to think about during the day to kind of remind ourselves not to overpour into a short, wide glass because it doesn't look like there's as much liquid. You know, we're just too crazy busy to say, okay, well, let me move all my snacks in one cupboard so that I, I, I'm not tempted with a snack every time I open a cupboard. So, 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 what you're saying there is that we we create this awareness for people, and some people totally see it. Some people kind of don't see it, and some people kind of think, "Well, I see it, but it's not really affecting me." And it seems obviously the majority is in the people who don't see it, um, <laughs> which is unfortunate. But I suppose you know, like you, you've got again, if you read Brian's work, guys, there's just lots and lots of kind of little tricks you can use, and I imagine the new book's got a lot more. Um, how do we get that behavior change to happen then? If, and, you know, what's, what's the thing that's going to help people kind of shift their behavior so it becomes a lifestyle of living so that they do live in a much healthier weight? Well, one of the things that we found was when, um, when my first book, uh, Mindless Feeding, came out and, and people would learn about all these things and say, wow, those are really great ideas. You know, I, I, I've got to do those. I, mm. I've, I've got to do those. Then a lot of times adults will say, well, you know, um, maybe, maybe I should do that, but they don't really get around to it. And we found at that time, the one thing that worked really well for adults was two things, actually. One was telling them, you know, you, you might not think that where you store your snacks in the kitchen influences you very much, but I'm going to show you how it influences, how much it influences kids uh, nice. who are 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And then people say, well, man, I'm not going to do it for myself, but I'll do it for my 10-year-old kid. That, that's yeah. one thing. The second thing we, we did was we, we ended up, you, you know, you, you can't tell a person, hey, here are 50 things you can, you can do. And I, I guarantee that probably every one of them will have a little bit of an impact in your life. Because people are like, 50? I'm not going to change 50 things in my life. So one of the things we did, which was interesting, 
and, and people can learn more about this at the website, again, slimbydesign.org, is we had people answer 20, about 24 different questions, about 26 different questions. And based on their answers to those 26 questions, we pretty much knew which three changes they could make in their life that were most related to um, weight loss, okay? Yeah. So, you know, if, if we asked a, a number of things, we could, we could narrow people in different sorts of groups, and based on what group they're in, we knew what seemed to be effective. So what we did is we say, here's the deal. Don't make a bunch of changes. We're going to give you the three that where you're at today are most likely to have the biggest difference, okay? Try those three. Come back to us in a month. We'll ask you some more questions. We'll give you three different ones based on how things went. <clears throat> and so that worked very well, okay, and, and that, in, in giving people things. Yeah. One, one of the things that we, we're, we're doing now that that's, has been meeting with a lot of success, and again, this stuff can be downloaded from, from the website, is <clears throat> we'll say, okay, let's, let's take one of your eating environments, your home, for instance. Um, here's a scorecard of, of 10 things. You answer yes or no, right? For instance, um, um, if there is a fruit bowl sitting on your counter, you get one point, okay? If you have at least 10 single-serve items of, of protein in your refrigerator, you know, whether they be yogurt or tofu or yeah. cheese or whatever, you get a second point. <clears throat> and simply by filling out a 10-point scorecard, you could figure out whether your home was making you slim by design or whether it's making you fat by design. Yeah. And a lot of people, particularly the people like listening to your show, they, they're, they're interested in becoming better. They're somewhat competitive, if not with other people, at least with themselves. And, and giving them a score between 0 and 10 um, that says, wow, you got a 3 out of 10. That's, your home's not working for you. What it importantly does is it gives them the seven things that they're not doing, that all of which are things they could change overnight. And I think that's been effective. And I mean, in, in, the, in the book, somebody did, there are actually 100 point scorecards, so there's a lot more opportunity for change. Um, and we find that this has been useful for, for people who want to change. So, so you've kind of said that we'll chunk it down and try to hit the main areas first and then there's this core idea of using motivational tools to actually make awareness for me to want to make that change. Yes, but specifically what we would um, do is say, <clears throat> these are the specific actions you can take. Okay, okay, first, take all of your snacks and make sure they're in one inconvenient cupboard, not spread throughout five cupboards. And if you do that, you get a point. You're, you're at the one out of ten level right now. Okay, second, you know, essentially serve your vegetables and salad before you serve your pasta and, uh, you know, a meat. Yep. If you do that for dinner time, you get a second point. So it's all focused on, on action, not on trying to work in somebody's head, but just on whether they're doing zero one changes in their kitchen. With regards to your work, well, you know, you, you know, it's, it's a very much. Um, can you hear me? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <clears throat> um, in regards to your work, you know, you do a lot of. It's, it's obviously a lot about behaviors and all the rest of it. What are your thoughts on traditional diets? 
Well, the problem with traditional diets is, is they, they don't work for most people because most traditional diets are, are, are they've got to exist 24-7. They're deprivation diets, either deprive us of something we really like, which is salt, fat, sugar, or um, they deprive us uh, psychologically. Okay, and, and yes, we know if you deprive yourself of anything you want psychologically, whether it be food or affection or television or whatever, you know, at some point you, you come back to compensate. Mm. And, and instead, it's a whole lot easier when 19 out of 20 diets fail over the long term. It's a whole lot easier to just make some small changes in your life that can move you in the right direction. Albeit maybe not very fast. You're not going to lose 10 kilos by the, your high school reunion next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, it's gonna, but it's also not going to be very painful. And one of the things that I mean, we say is that you know, if you want to become slim by willpower, okay, that's, that's a 24-7 effort. If you want to become slim by design, you just change a few things in your life and that lasts for a lifetime. You know, now, on average, you're probably not going to lose. You're, you're probably only going to probably lose about two to four pounds a month, um, you know, one to two kilos a month. But, but that's something that most of us can live with, yeah. okay? Because we don't have to give up pizza and we don't have to give up our favorite stuff. Because <laughs> in your book, you talk about uh, the whole idea of losing a certain percentage of calories a day just through by changing your kind of design of how you put your foods together. And that's, that's that kind of slower approach, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if if we if you say the average person needs two thousand calories, we'll just see it as an example. If you all of a sudden cut cut it down to one thousand calories, well, you're going to know it. I mean, you're going to feel bad. You're going to have headaches. You're going to be grumpy. Um, if you cut it down to ten calories less, okay, well, you're not going to realize that if you do it in a, in the right way. But there's some point where if you eat too much less than you typically do, you're going to realize it and you're going to do something about it. Either you're going to compensate later or you're going to take it out on the family dog or whatever. And then, and we, or, or the kids. We find that, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, depending on age. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, but we find that for most people, most people can eat about 15 to 20% less of what they typically eat so they can eat 1,700 or down to 1,600 calories before they realize that they're kind of cutting themselves short. Yeah. That up, up to that point, up to eating like two to three to 400 calories less, most of us can do that and that's a range where we can, we can, we can, we can lose weight without really realizing it. And I think we call that the mindless margin. It's that, it's that margin around what you normally need that you can deviate without realizing it, mm. and we can still be mindless about things. With regards to that, how do you, how, how do you, what would be your message to those people? Because that's, you know, I agree. The slow kind of burn is a much kind of better approach at doing it, and it's more sustainable. You learn how to kind of implement these behaviors long term. 
But a, I remember one of the, one of the, my other running group here in Christchurch, and one of the guys uh, was this. He's lost a lot of weight, and he said he was listening to a guy, and he said, "We want to tell the story. We want to say I did this, you know, bang, and I did it quickly, and you know, we, there's almost." Yeah. we want to hold this trophy up that says we've done it so well and we've done it a certain way which almost shows that we are mentally strong and it shows that we have character and all the rest of it <laughs> um, but but as you say that strategy is not necessarily a good strategy but you know and we also want the result yesterday not you know a year from now <laughs> that's that's very true you know I, it, it, that's very interesting what you say too because I, I think we in the western world really like to have these sort of kind of magical stories that we can talk about, you know, yeah. something that's like, you know what I mean? And, and I, it comes from a history of hanging out with our mates and making each other laugh and kind of giving a cooler story than the guy next to us and to say, no, what I do is I really work hard and I pay attention to detail. Well, nobody finds that interesting. <laughs> even, even, and, and, I, and I like this, but it's not just in weight loss, but I like it in terms of other areas of success when people say, well, you know, what's your secret of success? If somebody says, you know, I just work hard, I get up every day, and I yeah. keep my eyes on the prize, you know, the people are like, next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I think there, there, isn't, there isn't a whole lot. And, and anybody who's talked to, uh, who's seen somebody who's lost a lot of weight, since they've seen them last, and you ask them, oh, how, we, we all ask, oh, well, how did you do it? We expect to hear some real magical secret, mm. and they, they seldom have one, and we always end up being disappointed, mm. and I think that's, that, that's probably our own failing. <laughs> well, it's so appealing it's, to get the quick fix, isn't it? You know, if you, as you say, if you, <laughs> if you look at this to other areas, if we look at like wealth, you know, the whole idea of the quick Yep. make a quick buck thing whereas if you look at most people who've made a lot of money it's kind of acquisition frugality and good investments and stuff like that it's you know it is this long long game isn't it <laughs> that's right it's not like oh you know last night i developed an app yeah no i'm a million yeah <laughs> well the unfortunate thing about that is for people like that they're always putting their focus on trying to make the app that won't will never deliver so it takes your attention off the real work that can't be done no, I think I think you're exactly right too in that. In that, most of I, th I think winning in a lot of areas. I mean, in, in we use a, the, a, an illusion in in uh, the United States of American football that that almost all of winning is just it's basic blocking and tackling. It's just doing the basic stuff a little bit better and not necessarily just being really tricky or really clever. And mm -hmm. I, and I think that's with with this is we found a lot of people have been very successful. Using these approaches and slim by design, have been those people that say, you know, um, last year I weighed I weighed 24 pounds more than I do right now, but all I did is I made two changes in the last in the last year. Yeah, you know, but I made, but I made them every day. You know, yeah. I made sure I ate a I ate a hot breakfast every morning, and I in, I, in the past I never did that, or you know, something very small. Mm. Mm. In your book, you, you, you kind of introduced the concept of the health halo, uh, which I think is is really fascinating. So maybe you can talk to the audience a little bit about what that is and how that influences the way people eat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we have so many things going on in our life, and we're thinking about so many things that when it comes to food, which m most of us don't see as the major thing in our life, it's just a peripheral thing. Mm. 
we tend to view most foods in sort of a, a kind of a, a black or white way, kind of an either or way, either, yeah, it's good for me, or maybe I, it's not that good for me. You know, like an apple, yeah, that's good for me. Yeah. Uh, tofu, yeah, that's good for me. Cookies, maybe not that good for me. But because, because we do this very quickly and almost instantaneously, what we tend to do is that anything that we initially put into a good food or a bad food, we tend to exaggerate how good it actually is. So, for instance, if we were to buy a pizza at a place called the, the um, you know, Bob's Greasy Pizza, we're, we're going to assume it's really caloric and bad. But if that exact same pizza we bought at a place called, let's say, the uh, California Garden Cafe or, you know, the, uh, or uh, you know, someplace like that, we'd say, wow, you know, California, really healthy, garden, really healthy, you know, a cafe, that sounds kind of healthy. And we, we'd assume that it, on average it would have about half as many calories as it actually did mm. because we would have this halo with the location that we would let brighten up the entire food and we'd use it to, to justify why we ate the entire pizza because all you know is a healthy pizza. Yeah. Mm, mm. Mm. Well, and I think you know. Oh, well, one of the things we, we we've we've kind of found is that if if you think something is going to be healthy for because of where it's being sold or because of its name, you're probably going to be more accurate in estimating how many calories it actually has if you double the number of calories than if you just use your best guess. Oh, really? Is that, is it that far off? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, that's one of the things with like low-fat stuff and things like that is, is that on average we think low-fat food has only about half as many calories as it actually has. And for a lot, a lot of these foods, they, they taste okay, but none of them taste as good as the, the regular version except maybe like Diet Pepsi and Diet Coke. But yeah. what, you, what you're better off doing with low-fat foods, we find, is, you know um, – you're probably even better off just eating the regular version, but eating half as much. You'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it more, and you'll end up eating a few less calories also. Well, you, in your book, you talk about the M&M study where they, they did, I think it was a low-fat M&M, and, and people actually ended up eating more because they were low-fat, and they would have consumed more overall <laughs> for doing that. Yeah, because two things go on with that. Is there's, it's like a double-edged curse with like low-fat foods or you know low-calorie foods is that First, they're never as low in calories and fat as you think because they, they can take the fat out, but they usually replace the fat with sugar. So it's, it's only typically those snacks are only about 11% lower in calories. So first of all, you misestimate how many calories. But second, what you do is you tend to reward yourself for being a, a good boy or a good girl and eating something <laughs> low fat. So you see it a little bit more. <laughs> One thing that I, I, I kind of, and people I work with, I see a lot of is that um, the, the effect that bad eating habits have on their personal esteem. So, you know, that they identify that they are a bad person or they, lots of kind of negative self-talk and, and, and really emotional and quite harmful ways uh, because they always fail with eating. Do you have any thoughts on that and, and ways that people can maybe work through that? Yeah, you know that is a that is a really really great question, and there's a, there's this, uh, uh, there's a, a lot that goes on in fat shaming. I, gotta, I tell you, this is this is this is really really neat. So, 
You know, if you think about, so we, we're just finishing some research, and uh, this isn't in Slim by Designer Mindless Eating, because actually I was just analyzing the data just a, a couple days ago. But so we did this study, and so, um, you know, you think about when you're, when you're growing up, what, what are the negative things that, that parents say to kids, particularly kids that have, that have weight or eating issues, that can really scar them for life? And so what, one of the things we did is we wanted to look at young women. We looked at women 20 to 35, and we said... <clears throat> What was it? And we looked at whether they had a healthy view toward their body and were happy, kind of reasonably happy with their weight. I mean, everybody wants to weigh two kilometers less or yeah. two kilos less. But whether they were reasonably happy with their body, reasonably happy with their, their weight and um, their self-esteem. <clears throat> and then what we did is we, we looked at, we asked them what were different things that they remember their parents saying to them growing up as little girls. Yeah. And the reason we do this with the girls is two reasons. First, this this curses young women and women more a little bit more than guys in general. And then second, I've got three young girls, so I was, you know, I was, I was more personally interested in it. Nice. So I only have boys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the work. I got I got I got to influence it a little bit. <laughs> there's a there's a great expression in research, and it goes that research is me search. Yeah, yeah, we tend to yeah, look at things exactly. that we're interested. In. Yeah. yeah. So. One of the things we did is we asked uh, women a bunch of things, and what we found is that if, if a parent didn't say anything, uh, if a parent complained about a, a girl's weight growing up, they, they grew up to be fairly self-conscious and not very happy about um, their body weight. They thought they, even if they weighed the same as a person whose parents didn't complain about the weight, they believed they needed to weigh less to have the ideal weight, okay? But if a parent instead didn't complain, ever talk about their weight at all, but complained about what they ate, about them eating too much or them eating the wrong thing, those women, interestingly, grew up to be the happiest, both about their weight, they ended up weighing a little bit less, and they're also happiest with their self-esteem. So, so I mean, this, these are very preliminary findings, but we find that, you know, if, if, if you have a child who's having weight problems, it's great to talk about what they eat. It's terrible to bring up their weight. Um, we find it's also terrible just to say nothing, that kids whose parents said nothing to them growing up weren't necessarily very happy. Um, they're, they're, they're happier than people whose parents complain about their weight, but, um, you it's, know, it's such a being hard, involved. Like it's such a hard subject, isn't it? Because as a parent, obviously you probably want to make you help your kids make healthy choices, but kids aren't obviously that motivated. You know, they obviously just want sugar, <laughs> see a drug. Uh, you know, like yeah. so. You know, it's it's a really hard conversation to make sure you get right. So you're basically saying you're better off just to talk about foods, and and obviously based on some of the work you've done is to try to influence their environment so they don't even know they're making healthy choices. No, that's that's exactly right too. You know, if you have the crisps or the cookies sitting around, I mean, that's what we all want when we come home from school. But if they come home from school and all that's all they have is like cut vegetables in the middle shelf and cheese sticks and yogurts, ah, that's gonna be fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's no problem. But you but you also say not saying anything's actually because obviously some parents are so afraid to say anything they think in, inaction's the answer, but that's actually not the answer. Yeah, no, it appears appears that you can complain all you want to about what they eat. You just don't want to complain about their weight at all. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 Brian, what 
are some of the criticisms you get? You know, because I imagine, you know, nobody, nobody walks through this world when they kind of put their ideas out there without criticisms. What are some of the criticisms that you get and what would be your counter arguments to maybe some of the criticisms you get? Oh, you know, that's a great question. Well, you know, mo- most of the world comes down on two sides. They either kind of want to blame somebody else and see the responsibility of people eating better. It's, it's the responsibility of the government or of companies or yeah. fast food companies or whatever or, like or you know, the school yeah. system. Yeah. Or they say, no, the responsibility is you as a person. Just, just, just kind of show a little bit of self-control or exercise more. Or don't be an idiot when you shop. You know, be, be educated. And I think because I offer kind of a, a third alternative that says, you know, your, your environment influences you a lot, but that's the solution because that's a whole lot easier to, to change your environment than to stare at a candy bar in your desk all day and tell yourself not to eat it. That, that I, I've been able uh, to kind of avoid quite a bit of criticism. I think one criticism that's come, that, that comes up is, um, is I, I don't come down hard on food industry and fast food. And I know uh, Mother Jones Magazine did a big uh, profile on me earlier. And uh, you know, a lot of people said, well, geez, you, know, you take your girls to McDonald's, you like fast food. Um, you know, that's showing a bad example. And it's like, well, I, I mean, certainly not in moderation. And you can eat very well fast food. So, so one thing, people beat me up about what I eat. Because I eat fairly normal. I don't say no to pizza. I don't say no to fast food. I don't mm. say no to M&Ms when I go to the movie theater. Mm. And I think another thing is people say, well, yeah, but what you say might, you know, might really work well. But it only works well for people who need to have a little bit of weight to lose. It doesn't work well for the... 450 pound man who you know needs to lose weight mm. and you know one of the, the I, we've got a kind of a neat little study that we did that's a it, it's a so it was an English speaking study it's actually um, that we did around the world where we asked people how many pounds would you need to lose you know kilos would you need to lose to be happy with your weight and you know if you watch too much media, you think that the average answer is going to be, I would need to lose, you know, 100 pounds or 50 kilograms before I was happy. No, but we found in general, if you look at 80% of the population says they would be happy if they lost eight kilos or less, they would be happy with their weight. Well, no, that's not, that's not a drastic change to make okay now yeah there are people who are 450 pounds that are out there and maybe there are other solutions for them um i mean some people very successfully like have lost that weight like mike huckabee but you know maybe uh, there's another solution for them but for most of us it's just a few pounds that will make the big difference Mm. and i think that's that's a that's that's sort of the second sort of criticism they say yeah, but what about the super heavy person? You know, how, you know, two pounds or four pounds a a month is going to take them years to lose. Yeah, and that's 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 correct. They they didn't get where they're at in twelve months, and they're probably not not going to get back to where they want to be in twelve months. And there might be a different solution for them. Mm. Well, I think one other thing about your strategy, which I I think is a really good thing, is that a lot of people they always feel they're not in control with food, you know, that food has this kind of ownership of me being poor with my decisions. And, you know, if you can start to look at it in a, in a perspective of actually I'm 
I've set up a really poor environment for myself that makes me fail, then as I start to influence that environment and make better choices around how to set up that environment, then I start to get that sense of control back in my life. You know, that's a really good observation because one of the things we hear from, from lots and lots of people, they say that you know, these, these, these solutions to becoming slim by design are really, really empowering. Mm. And I never looked at it like you did, but I, I think that's, you're exactly right. That's what they mean by empowering is it's not saying, they're not, they're not saying I'm, I'm making bad decisions. They're just saying, you know, I unknowingly set up a bad environment. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a really that's a great observation. Well, it's just, it's just that whole thing of, for most people with who are poor, you know, overweight, it's that food. The, the relationship with it is that I have no control, and and it's me that has no control. It's not that my environment's not helping me have control. And so then, if if you if you're changing that, and suddenly I feel in control of my environment, then I get the esteem and I get to see, shift my self perception, don't I? Yeah, you know that's a great idea, and, and that's very very well put. And one thing we've found in the past is that it also helps a person be a better influence on the others in their household and that mm. we've we we we've talked about we've done this research in what we call the nutritional gatekeeper and that's the person who purchases and prepares most of the food in their home yeah. and a lot of people say oh my god there's no way I can control what my spouse eats you know he's just guys yeah. it's, it's out of control well there's no way I can control what my kids eat and you don't they're partly right because they can't control 100% of what these people eat. But what we've also found is that on average, people can control about 72%. This nutritional gatekeeper can control about 72% of what of what their family eats. Because, But they do so either for the better or for the worst. Mm. You know, they do it for the better if there's a fruit bowl instead of a candy dish. They do it for the better if if they go to a restaurant that actually has salads and not just fried onion rings. And, and when, when we can get people to see that, they, they see that that's a very empowering experience too because they can say, well, even though I can't influence everything my family does, if I make these little bitty changes, I will see little bitty good changes in their life. Mm. Well, and 72% is actually a pretty massive influence. Yeah, no, it's it's huge. But the thing is, people need to realize it's for the better, or for the worst, and, and a lot of the times it's for the worst. <laughs> well, you know, it, I mean, <laughs> well, well, no, I was just thinking, you know, like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of parents, or you know, I'm just thinking, of my nana, for example, my nana, food was always like a a reward, was like a, um, you know, it was a the grandkids were coming around, so she'd have all these treats out for us, and it was almost like she was, she wanted it was almost a, to win favor of us. She would use food, and um, which we loved as kids, and luckily we were all healthy. But at the same time, you can kind of see how that can have a negative influence on your family. Yeah, no, and that's a hard thing to do. And you know, in any parent, in, in, any parent has ever had, and this happens. I think this happens basically to everybody. So, you know, you have that, you have that first, you have that first child, and they're born you know, the way I don't know, you know. Seven pounds or I don't know, three and a half kilos. Then you know, like over the first day, they you know once they go to the bathroom, all of a sudden they weigh about ten percent less. And the fear of most parents is like, oh my god, they're gonna die, they're gonna starve to death. <laughs> and so there's, there's you, you you almost celebrate as a parent when they eat anything. And I think that's a hard thing to it's a hard thing to, to to turn off even when they're twelve years old. You still see them if they're they're eating, at least they're gonna live. 
Hey, um, so on, on your website, Sun by Design, obviously the book is there and you can always get your book, Mindless Eating, but you've got a course there. And, and A, the price point is stupidly cheap. Uh, and B, just want to tell us a little bit about what's in the course. Yeah, so one of the things that happens is that a lot of times people will say, hey, you know, can you come and do, uh, you know, seminars for, for uh, companies or for our Weight Watchers group or something like this. And one of the things that we found is that, you know, doing a one or two day seminar would work fairly well, but... But a lot of this is that if you just can, can do the same thing time and time and time again, day after day after day, all of a sudden um, it really begins to stick. And so one thing about the, the – we developed this course. And it's a 30-day it's a, it's a course and each day. There's little, there's little videos. There's little things to read. There's little push notices. And there's usually a little bit of a – I don't want to say homework, but it's a little it's – a, it's a little um, – yeah, yeah, and might say like, okay, here's there's a there's a scorecard, a ten point scorecard for your kitchen. On day we one, all we want you to do is fill it out, and anything you do, you do, you get a point. You'll get a, you'll have a score between zero and ten. Then on the third day, we might say, okay, great, what score did you get? Okay, you got a four. Okay, we'd like you to make one change and change that to a five. And in two days, we'll talk to you about how that went. Yeah. So it's very it, it gives you very specific tasks you can do, but that are in the area that you're interested in doing. Mm. And so we we've been we've been and one of the things that that people have really liked about this is that with in about about a weekend in the course we ask people to think about what is the one food related thing that trips them up that they'd like to change. I mean it could you know I mean it could be. It could be they, they tend to snack too much at work, or it might be they have a sweet tooth after dessert or uh, after dinner, or it might be that they um, that they have they erratically eat breakfast, or it might be they drink too much beer, or you know, it could be whatever. And what we do is we help them come up with a specific change. Well, it's actually two specific changes to make that will make that not be a problem by the end of the month. And, and people seem to really like that. Because as long as they pick something they really want to cut down on, it, it works. Well, uh, I suppose you know I've taken enough of your time. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we kind of wrap it up? You know that a lot of times when we try to make changes in our life, whether it, it's to become a more organized person or to be better in shape or eat a little bit better, that the mistake that almost all of us make is we, we really, really, really go overboard. Okay, we, <laughs> yeah. we buy all these productivity apps, we start reading all these books, we start coming up with lists, and it, that's not sustained. Mm. Or we kind of you know, strap on our shoes when we run, then we come back, we do push-ups, and, then we, and that's not sustainable because we're too sore the next day. Yeah. Or with food, we end up making too many changes. And, and simply making one or two things and sticking to it, making small changes, but make them to your environment. Don't deprive yourself of food. Just try something. Uh, uh, tonight, try taking all the snacks that you have in your house, which for most people in the Western world are, are, are in two-thirds of all the cupboards they have in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. Try to take all those and put them in one inconvenient cupboard and just see what you feel like at the end of the week. I will guarantee... Anybody listening that they will have eaten 25% less of any snacks in their kitchen if they put them all just in one cupboard. Mm-hmm. You'll find that a small change is the big way to make big gains. It's funny you say that. I have a running business here in Christchurch in New Zealand, and we have a, a 
we've really tried to target the new exerciser, and that's that's how we've, we've and we've been really successful. We're quite proud of the work we've done, and that's been our strategy. Is, is we talk about entry point, we're like what's the right entry point based on your current ability in this area, and then we uh-huh. we just we build the the success levels based on where they currently sit, and we just we talk about slow stretch. So we're we're only just trying to stretch you just a little bit right now, and you're going to sit in this for a bit and build some confidence and belief, and then from there we're going to stretch you a little bit more. And it's amazing when you've got the right approach to growth. And, and we're dealing with people who are like in their fifties, never exercised, and massively overweight. And um, it's amazing to see if you have the right kind of pathway forward that you can implement these behaviours and they become sustainable behaviours in the long term. I love it. I love it. Yeah, because you know, oftentimes it can be very forbidding. If, you know, if somebody were to come and they'd be asking you for advice, and you're saying, "Well, well, it's easy for you to say because you're in great shape. Yeah. You run, you run marathons. Yeah, it's easy for you to say." And I think it's it, it's hard to identify with somebody who, who asks them to do too much when you don't look like the type of person that they are. Yeah. So that's a strategy yeah hey brian thank you so much for your time i know, I know you're a very Absolutely. busy man and um and god you've just done you're doing such great work and um as someone who's in this kind of battle to get health and fitness in, in society improved it's just i really admire your work um guys if you want to get his books um you, you've got slim by design and that's at slimbydesign.org and i'll put the link to all his other books as well so brian thank you so much for your time you're a bloody rock star and uh maybe i'll talk to you sometime in the future again oh we let's definitely do it okay hey keep up the great work Thanks, mate. Right, that's, that's pretty much my interview done with Dr. Brian Wensink. Um, I have to say, I, I, I really enjoyed his work. He's obviously quite an enthusiastic man. Um, he's a very friendly man. I've got a real passion for the work that he's doing. And uh, I, I went and bought the book and the course. I just thought, you know, it's important for me to do my research around what I'm doing. And I really love his concept of how you're making food decisions in those five different environments. And those different environments are at your home, um, when you're at a restaurant, when you're shopping, when you're at work, and we're in your children's school. And I think it's, you know, to really look at those different areas of your life and actually spend time working on it. And the course is called Slim by Design. And if you go to the website slimbydesign.org, uh, it takes you to a link called Change Collective and you can buy the course. Now, the thing I found really fascinating, man, was A, the price point. Um, it's only $30 to do the course. So it's pretty, and that's US $30 US to do the course, which is pretty cheap. You know, a lot of those online courses nowadays are charging in the hundreds and, uh, so yeah, the price point is very cheap. And what he basically does is each day he just takes you through a key concept. And the idea is that from that key concept, you meant to do a little bit of homework to kind of work on those areas in your life. I, I have to admit, I found it. It's a very good course. I, I like the way it's very short and concise each day. I've seen other online courses that almost require too much of people each day, and I think that that pushes people away from doing things. Uh, at the same time, I have to admit doing online courses is something I've never done and, and um, I'm, yeah I found to, to keep the routine of doing this up every day was a little bit challenging for me and so I found not challenging like it's not that it's that hard just to remember to do it every day and so you either get on board and you jump on board 100% or maybe you choose to do it every couple of days but for the price point he's got this out there for I, I really reckon it's a great investment and uh, you know as you heard from his interview if you were to approach this this area in a way where you actually took away you know like 
the one thing I think about is that a lot of people, the food fight that they have in their mind is about fighting temptation all the time. And when you look at Brian's kind of strategies around nutrition is you're not actually fighting temptation because the temptation isn't there. And so that's a much different kind of battle. And I know I've had clients I've worked with in the past who are trying to lose weight. And one of the things we've really worked on is how do we shift their environments so that it's actually not a battle that they're fighting. Is you know, that it's it's I no longer feel I'm in a battle because I no longer see the battle that's there in front of me. And that's what his strategies are all about. And so I really recommend you look at some of his work. <clears throat> and then if you are someone who's looking to lose weight, to then really think about how do I implement these strategies in my life and doing his course or buying his books is, is one way to actually work around that stuff. So hopefully you guys got some good info from that. Uh, yeah, that's good. I, I was going to talk about some other stuff, but I've already done 50 minutes, so I think I'll call it a day on today's show. So if you've got any questions, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. I will be putting links up to Brian's book on this week's show notes at bevanjamesisles.com. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com and uh, just click on the link to that Patreon link and you go through from there. And other than that, that's pretty much this week's show. I've got another week show coming up in a couple of weeks from now. And I have to say, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it's going to be a bit of a challenging one in some ways. And it's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So if you can do me any favor, and I have to say one of my good friends through work, a lady called Mandy, is a good one of New Zealand's top fitness instructors. And she went and put a good plug for the show on her Facebook page the other day, and I really appreciate people who do that, because in this podcasting world, it's a little bit hard to sometimes get attention, and uh, this show goes really, really well, like I'm really happy with how it's gone, particularly with numbers and stuff like that, but at the same time, we're always trying to get bigger reach, so if you enjoy the show, you can put a little Facebook post, put a link up to how people can get the show, and I really appreciate it, or you can tweet it out and stuff like that as well. Anyway, you guys have a wonderful couple of weeks, and I'll be seeing you guys real soon.